Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. This is the inaugural episode, people. This has never happened before. Um, we are going to start out by doing a little introduction here. My name is Justin Lamb, and I'm coming to you live from southeastern Michigan. I don't like to say Detroit because I don't live in Detroit. And uh, unless I'm in a bad area of another city, I don't tell people I'm from Detroit. But for now, I will just say southeastern Michigan. Let's say northern suburbs of Detroit. And we are here to talk about exactly what the show says. Modern beer and 90s nostalgia. We're going to talk about craft beer. Uh, and we're going to talk about 90s nostalgia. Everything that came out of the 90s, good, bad, and indifferent. From movies, music, to crocodile dentist. And we will get into that later. But for now, we're going to start out with the beer. It's always good to crack a beer before you listen to this show, during your listening, and keep drinking afterwards. So, we're going to start out with Oktoberfest. It is the second to last day of Oktoberfest, uh, when you're hearing this, if you're hearing this the day it's released. But uh, Oktoberfest ends on October 3rd this year. It is a rule in Germany that if October 1st is on a Sunday, Oktoberfest will go till the 3rd. I'm going to stick with some Michigan brewers this week starting with Rochester Mills. They have an Oktoberfest, uh, Bell's Brewery, and Shorts Brewing Company. All of them have pretty delicious Oktoberfest, but I gotta say the winner, if I were to pick one of the three, would be Bell's. It's a little harder to come by depending on the area you live in. It's a nice balance of the uh, full body and the malt flavor that you come to expect out of a Marzen, as they call it. Uh, Marzen, uh, Marzen beer has been around much longer than anyone listening to this. It started in Bavaria. They weren't allowed to brew beer between April 24th and September 28th. So uh, the beer was kept in the cellar until late summer, and then the remaining bottles were served at Oktoberfest. It was essentially a beer to brew that would stay a while and, and age in a cool spot until they could drink it and start brewing more again. So they'd always finish it out. By the end of September, so they had room for all the new beer that they would be brewing September 28th when those sanctions were lifted. If you're going to go out there and find one, you can always get the mainstream Sam Adams or, uh, you know, if you hate yourself, you can get Kugel. But I would recommend, especially if you're in the Michigan area, go check out your craft selections. Uh, support your local breweries. Rochester Mills. Bells and Shorts Brewing Company all have an Oktoberfest. There is a laundry list of other breweries that carry Oktoberfest. They're a little harder to find in bottles. Um, but if you live near a brewery or want to make the trek, I'm sure you could still get one on tap pretty much through the month of October, maybe longer depending on the demand and the supply. So go check it out. If you're home right now, uh, pop one open. If you started this and you want to play along, you can always go pause it and grab a beer and come on back. Along with the craft beer, we talk about 90s nostalgia here. Uh, this week we are going to dive into Empire Records, one of the greatest things to come out of the 90s. And if you were a kid in the 90s and you're 30-something now, you know this movie very well. Uh, and it also holds a soundtrack that has a lot of music that helped shape the alternative rock scene of the entire decade and inspired many, many, many of the bands that are around today. Uh, I mean, you're talking about gin blossoms and cranberries, uh, sponge, 
just amazing bands around here uh, with some amazing songs. And we're also going to talk about the, <laughs> the songs that didn't make the soundtrack. You know, when you watch that movie, there's some iconic scenes in there and the music that accompanies those. You would think you'd hear that on the soundtrack, but it didn't make it for some reason. And uh, some are obvious because they're clearly not from that decade and they're trying to keep it a teenage friendly marketing buy this crap sort of deal. So they didn't include them on the soundtrack like ACDC. You're not going to put on a 90s alternative rock soundtrack, but some missed the boat there that were pretty iconic in the movie. It's a little disappointing. We'll dive into that and then uh, we'll take a little time and talk about some games that came out of the 90s that you can still get today. Primarily, as I mentioned earlier, Crocodile Dentist. So we're going to talk about Empire Records and see what you think. What's with you today? What's with today today? I want you to hold these against your chest, stand against the wall, and they're going to take a photograph of you. Why don't you go shove them up your ass? Because it would hurt a lot more. Empire Records. Do you remember it? Do you love it? I know I do. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, I don't know who you are, but I will let you know. It is a, about a staff at a record store, all uh, late teens, early 20s for the most part, uh, even though I think they cast like a 35-year-old to play a 19-year-old, um, as they do in Hollywood. But uh, it, it, they are working at this record company, and one of their employees discovers that it's about to become a music town, which is clearly a playoff uh, Tower Records at the time, and they decide they need to get some money together and, and save the store, but disaster ensues until a rockin' party at the end. Spoiler alert. Came out in 95, so if I'm spoiling things for you, that's totally on you at this point. Amazing characters in this movie. Uh, from AJ to uh, Lucas. Lucas is one of the best movie characters I think I've ever seen. Um, Gina, promiscuous Gina. Renee Zellweger, as you may know her, uh, in one of her first roles, actually, and well before any, any sort of plastic surgery or anything, and well before Jerry Maguire. Screw you, Jerry Maguire. We had her first. And then, of course, Liv Tyler. Everybody was, was obsessed with Liv Tyler at the time. Uh, Liv Tyler, fun history. She didn't know Steven Tyler was her dad until 11. Before that, she thought it was Todd Rundgren, which if you're a classic rock fan... Uh, you know who that is. If you don't, uh, I recommend Google or Wikipedia. You saw her in the Aerosmith videos in the 90s with Alicia Silverstone. Is it Alicia Silverstone? Does it matter? Well, she was super cute. Everybody liked her. Uh, there were a lot of comments and interviews on the movie set about the whole, the whole cast having a crush on her. Uh, and of course, she's the love interest of AJ. Um... And I had a small obsession with AJ, too. Do you guys remember his outfit? AJ's outfit was fantastic. It was this, like, old man bingo cardigan. And then his just his white t-shirt. But I wanted that cardigan, man. I watched that movie over and over again. I wanted that freaking cardigan. It's ridiculous. Really great cast of characters. Some amazing quotes. I know you just heard a couple. I could, I could do it all day. Um, Rex Manning. Rex Manning Day. April 8th, also the day they found Kurt Cobain, 
which was a little write-in reference from the author. Fun story about the author of Empire Records. He worked at a Tower Records uh, previously before he got into, you know, making movies and that whole thing. So he wrote a lot of the uh, record store banter between the characters and everything uh, from his experiences working at a Tower Records. Even the former employees that he used to work with uh, said how much it was just like the store they worked at. Store obviously closed like all other Tower Records because no one buys CDs anymore, except for me and like three other people. It's uh, another thing from the 90s we will cover on another episode. Moving along, Empire Records had this epic soundtrack, especially for the time. Uh, it had uh, the Gin Blossom songs, Till I Hear It From You. Are you kidding me here? Uh, Empire Records was not like well received in uh, 95 when it came out. There was 280 movies that came out that year, and it was number 236. So, you know, not the bottom, but not great. Uh, but the soundtrack was absolutely amazing. I mean, you're talking about the Gin Blossoms, the Cranberries, Toad the Wet Sprocket, Better Than Ezra, uh, and then a large number of one-hit wonders that you would never think about. And the songs that didn't make the soundtrack are the more mind-blowing thing. So let's take a listen real quick to some clips of songs from the movie that did not make the soundtrack. And some of them you will recognize if you know this movie well from some pivotal scenes uh, that they were featured in, and they still just didn't make the soundtrack. Uh, check it out. I heard you on the wireless back in 52, lying awake intently tuning in on you. If I was young, it didn't stop you coming through.
so there's there's three songs there that drive me nuts that they didn't make a soundtrack and i want to tell you what they are so you can go on itunes or wherever you buy your music and, and buy it i doubt they'll have it though uh first of all uh counting blue cars by dishwalla that song is almost like a definition of 90s alternative rock it was the only song they had um i i could probably scour the internet and barely find you anything else on that band but that song is fantastic and everybody knows it uh it was huge it was in the movie didn't make the soundtrack couldn't tell you what scene it was from off the top of my head though i have seen the movie recently but still amazing song uh should have been on the soundtrack second so this was a this was kind of a 90s one hit wonder there were so many 90s alternative bands there were a lot of angry people in washington and oregon that made bands that didn't go very far but they had this edge of you know like a screamy short-haired female lead singer uh or like grunge but not nirvana and some of them did really well for themselves but of most of them didn't as goes with music especially uh nowadays when anybody can submit anything to anyone and no one listens to it this band queen sarah saturday has a song called seams that you heard a minute ago and that is the opening scene when they're opening the record store and mark puts it on and you got nothing left to see about this time it's over now like it's it's such a great scene and everyone's singing along and Liv Tyler's making coffee and pouring like an entire jar of sugar in the cups and it's great and that song isn't on the soundtrack and the song's from 93 like it is definitive of the time it's perfect and it just didn't make the soundtrack I don't know why I know they couldn't fit a lot on CDs back then but what the hell man ridiculous and finally uh oh man this one this one angers me when I remember trying to find it when I on Napster in the year 2000. The song is called Plowed. It is by the band Sponge. If you know anything about 90s alternative rock, uh, and the, the days of Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, uh, you should know Sponge as well. I'm sure you could find uh, quite a few different songs from them. I believe 16 Candles or Molly is, uh, is another one of their bigger songs. But the song's called Plowed, and it is the song that starts at the tail end of the line. Damn the man. Save the empire. And then the guitar kicks in, and the song plays almost in its entirety while they're setting up for this giant party they're going to have to raise money to save Empire Records. And it's such a great scene, and it's such a great song, and it's not on the soundtrack. And if you listen to the soundtrack... There's some real bad songs that made the soundtrack, and you're like, who, what? Who cares? Who cares about, uh, jeez, Drill? No, I don't know who that is. I don't think I even remember that song. But that song didn't make the soundtrack. And Sponge, uh, I mean, obviously it was a 90s alternative rock staple, and it's uh, almost depressing that it didn't make the soundtrack. And then on top of that, uh, the Cranberry song that they selected for the soundtrack, uh, which is Liar. Uh, not a great selection. If you listen to the movie uh, while you're, well, watch the movie and then hear the music in it. The most defining Cranberry song is at this pivotal moment. Um, 
and it's, it's super dramatic. It's right after Rex Manning, like decides he's going to jerk off while Liv Tyler dances. I don't know what his intention was. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I highly recommend you watch either the extended version or the, uh, the deleted scene. Cause in the movie, the theatrical version, the one most people have seen, Liv Tyler starts taking off her clothes and stuff. And he's like, Oh yeah. Or I forget what he says. It's ridiculous. And she's like, Oh my God. And runs upstairs. But in the, uh, actual version, like the actual script and what they shot. And it's, I, I forget if it's extended or deleted, but he like, <laughs> he leans back in his chair and then shakes the blue cheese dressing. Like he's about to pour it on his dick real weird. And then that's when she's like, okay, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I'm glad they cut it from the movie. Cause I don't know what's that, what that's all about. That's super creepy. But, uh, that's what happens in the original script and, uh, they shot it and it's, it's out there. So I recommend watching that and really questioning your life. But, um, right after that scene, there's a cranberry song and that song is called, it's called how, um, and that's another, another very memorable song because it's in a very memorable moment of the movie and they, they cut it from the soundtrack and they use this other B side that, I don't even remember what part of the movie it's from. And I've seen this thing a billion times uh, from VHS to DVD to DVD. That's right. I don't own the Blu-ray. So what? all in all, I mean, this movie just is absolutely epic. It was, it was a string that tied together groups of friends throughout the nineties. And it's something like if you were into music at all, whether it was the revival of punk rock that came around in the mid, mid to late nineties, or it was, um, the kid who worshiped Kurt Cobain and was like, Oh my God, he died. And you're like, bro, you're like 10. Um, it, this was the movie that intertwined all those people together. And you for sure saw it. And if you didn't, I feel a little bad for you, but I want you to know that, Hey, it's never too late. Go check it out. Empire records. I didn't ask. You shouldn't have told me. I'd laugh, but now it's sinking in fast. Whatever they've shown me, well, baby, I don't wanna take advice from fools. I'll just figure everything is cool until I hear it from you. Until I hear it from you Now uh, we talked about Empire Records We talked about the soundtrack I want to talk about one more thing you see in that movie That you do not see anymore And it's not CDs It is flyers um, As somebody that really got into to punk music At the end of the 90s I can tell you uh, flyers were everywhere uh, I was in a band too that that was the main thing. Like, did you book a show? All right. Flyers. What if people don't come? This is why we make flyers. 
And if they don't come, it doesn't matter as long as you had a really good flyer. Uh, we got we got creative. But that's you see that at the end, them passing out flyers to everybody. Come to our Empire Records, damn the man, save the Empire party. Uh, you don't see that anymore. You just don't see flyers. Like, I used to go to shows all the time, and at the end of every show, there was people outside that were just handing you flyers as you left. And they would always be in, like multicolored regular copy paper with these shitty shitty photocopies of like bands pictures and calendars for the venue and that was great i love flyers i kept them forever but uh you don't see that anymore it's it's a different kind of marketing i mean people just create facebook events and post shit on twitter and instagram and and now snapchat and instagram stories and you don't see flyers anymore it's a very interesting just small piece of marketing that kind of faded away and no one really noticed. And it's, it's a little depressing, but, uh, especially if you were the one that made the flyers, they were a lot of fun. I lived out in LA for a couple of years and tried to make the weirdest flyers I could find. Cause if you're sitting there at a bar and there's a pile of flyers, if you're going to pick any of them up, it's going to be the one where the guy in the front looks like a tiny baby with a demon's face. I don't know. Come up with something weird draws attention. Cause my mind is fading And everywhere I look There's a dead end waiting Temperatures dropping At the rotten oasis Stealing kisses From the leprous faces Finally, one thing You know, I'm hoping to revisit On multiple occasions uh, 90s games We're talking board games Video games uh, the bop it. We will get into that on another episode. Uh, specifically today, I wanted to talk about Crocodile Dentist. This popped up in a search I was doing, and I had flashbacks of playing this. And if you know, no, if you don't know what this is, there was this was ninety three, ninety four. It was a plastic crocodile where the bottom row of teeth were all there, and its mouth was open. The top row was just uh, a sticker that looked like teeth. And the funny part, it's called dentist because you don't pull the teeth out. You push them down. So as you push them down, if you push down the wrong one, which you never know which one it is, but if you push down the wrong one, the mouth closes and the top part actually just slams down on your finger. It was one of those weird 90s games. It's like, we're going to hurt children. And for that fact alone, I was very surprised to find out that it is still actively produced and you can buy it uh, at toy stores on Amazon. I, I, I highly recommend it. Teach your children the value of their fingers by causing pain in them with a crocodile biting down on their fingers. Uh, it is a very strange game. We put a picture of it up on the website, so check that out. But <laughs> it, uh, it's, it's, it's called Crocodile Dentist and there's no, uh, I thought there'd be maybe plastic dental tools involved or something. Uh, maybe you pull teeth from the crocodile, but no, you push them down. So the premise is push teeth into the crocodile's gums, and eventually he'll be like, nope, had enough of this, and bite your finger off. So, realistic, uh, to say the least. You're unbelievable. Oh, 
and that is going to wrap it up for this first episode of modern beers and 90s nostalgia we're going to keep this going every week every monday you can hear it so like it share it um even if you don't like it like it and share it and tell your friends uh next week we're gonna talk about pearl jam saturday night live and the wonderful people the 90s that came out of it um including Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, and the late and great Phil Hartman. Uh, following that, we'll do a bunch of other fun stuff this month. It is October after all, so we'll cover some Halloween, some scary movies, the horror genre in general, which I'm obsessed with, came back in the 90s with a certain movie, and uh, some awesome party favorites, including a party movie, Can't Hardly Wait. So stick around, join us every week. Be a friend, be a fan. If you have any suggestions, questions, comments, you want to high-five me virtually, go to justinlammusic.com slash podcast or email me at justin at justinlammusic.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-L-A-M-B-M-U-S-I-C dot com. I hope you keep listening, and I hope you enjoyed the 90s as much as I did. And all she keeps inside is in on the label. She says she's ashamed. Can she take me for a while? Can I be a friend? We'll forget the past, or maybe I'm not able. And I break in the bend. We're here and now. Dream.